Hello, and welcome to the Baylor Parents Podcast, produced just for you by Baylor's Parent Engagement Team, hosted by Gaila Fringa, Director of Parent Engagement. We will explore ways to help you help your student, so you can walk alongside them in their journey, together, but separate. Hello and welcome to the Baylor Parents Podcast. We're excited to have you join us today and we're going to be talking to Megan Becker, who is the Director of Care Team Services here at Baylor, and she's in her fourth year in this role. Megan is a graduate of Stephen F. Austin State University and received her Master's of Divinity at Truett Seminary here at Baylor. Megan worked on campus and in the Department of Campus Living and Learning for eight years then at a local community college, and then she came back to us five years ago. She says this is her final stop, and we're so happy for that. Megan's role in care team services means that she works with students dealing with all sorts of different situations, mental health situations, financial aid, academics, and anything and everything in between. She has two daughters that keep her plenty of busy outside of her busy and demanding schedule. Welcome, Megan, and we are so excited to have you here today and to share with people what Care Team Services really is. Yeah, it's good to be with you guys. Mm -hmm. So let me talk a little bit about what we do in Care Team Services. We have parents tell us all the time, I had no idea a department like that exists. And so I'm glad to be here with the opportunity to talk to parents and kind of help you guys know what we do for students. So um, what we say, like, kind of like, uh, Gail said we work with students. What I typically say is work with students who are in some sort of crisis, whether it's um, a financial crisis or an academic crisis, a relationship crisis, and more importantly, I think mental health crises is what we're seeing students deal with. And so we will reach out to them if we have a referral from campus living and learning from a staff member, um, a faculty member. If we hear of a student struggling, we will reach out to them and make sure that they are connected to the right resources and then they know that someone at Baylor cares for them um, and wants to make sure that they can be successful. What we find is that a student's life outside the classroom greatly impacts their life inside the classroom. And so because of that, we like to make sure they're connected to the resources with the things that are creating stress for them outside the classroom. And so we'll kind of talk through a little bit of those resources, but that's what we do. We become the central contact for students to make sure they know and are connected and they don't have to navigate those connections themselves. That's what we get to do in care team services. I think what's really interesting about that though is because you you run and head up a care team services meeting every other week where these different resources from around campus gather together and share the, this information. And I think if people realize, I mean, what are there, 40 people in the room sometimes? And and how someone will bring something to the table that a professor has noticed something. And it's amazing to think they have 100 students in one class, but they have the wherewithal to notice that something doesn't seem right with somebody. So they alert some of the campus partners and to watch you direct. Why don't you just describe that process just a little bit? Yeah, so we do have, we call it the care team um, and care team services helps to run the care team. And like Gail mentioned, it's it's 30 to 40 partners from all over campus, general counsel, the health center, Baylor police, conduct, the disability, so OLA office of disability, helping students 
with disabilities, the Parents Network, the Addiction Recovery Center, partners from all over campus. And so the importance, I, what I call that is the, the practice of paying attention. So all of those partners around that room are paying attention to the lives of students and paying attention if a student is stressed out or if a student has had a death in the family, if a student um, is really trying to figure out where to go to get accommodations, if a student is struggling with their faith or you know, just all sorts of different things. And so then all of those people are hearing information about students to, I call it a safety net or a safety net of resources and connection for students as we pay attention to the things that are going on. And what's fascinating about this process, and we'll get to some tips here real soon, is that many times I will talk to parents after the fact, and their students are kind of frozen with fear in some of these situations. And what ends up happening, they really need two or three touch points mm -hmm. to get put back on track. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so we, we, we use that word a lot, touch points in our office, you know, because a student, um, what we say sometimes is the presenting problem is not always the presenting problem. So a student might say to a faculty member, oh, I'm really stressed out about this test. And then as the faculty member starts to ask more questions about why they're stressed, they're like, well, I've really been dealing with a lot of anxiety right now. Maybe COVID has me really stressed out and I'm anxious I'm going to get sick and I was going to go home this weekend, but my parent is immune compromised and that makes me feel stressed out that they're going to get sick and I'm in a relationship that's not very good. And so I'm trying to figure out what to do with that. And my roommate situation isn't very good, you know, and so, so with, with all these levels of, of um, stress that students are experiencing, sometimes it gets wrapped into a big anxiety, you know, ball, um, which it is. But with that, we can help the student with getting connected to a touch point in the counseling center. We can help them get connected to um, a touch point in the residence hall with their community leader or their resident chaplain or their uh, residence hall director and academic support programs. We can get them connected. And so then you don't have just one touch point, but like Gail said, you've got four different touch points that are helping to, and people that are helping to surround the student um, with the help that they need. That's wonderful. And so again, people, it's, it's uncharted territory for many parents who it might be their first child that's coming to college. So do you, if you had like four or five deposits that you could make of wisdom into the parents' minds, what would, what would those things be that you wish you could just impart to them? Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I would say, um, two things that I would say, well, you said it might be their first child to come to college. And I think that's true. You know, the, the folks who are letting their firstborns go is hard. But another thing that I find with families um, and is that every child is different. Um, I talked mm -hmm. to a parent last week and she was like, my two older daughters went to college at Baylor and they didn't have this experience at all. I don't understand why my son is struggling so much. And so it wasn't because of Baylor. It was because every child is different, right? And so even if you don't have a firstborn coming, I think what, what I'm about to share might be helpful. Um, and then as I was talking, I thought about this, and it's going to sound a little bit um, maybe forthright. Um, but as I'm talking about all these resources, 
um, you know, academic support, counseling center, spiritual life, those, those things. Um, what I, I want to remind you as a parent is that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And so if you think about that in the way of your students, I'm going to give you five other nuggets. That one's free. Uh, but uh, <laughs> if you think about your students, you know, all of us can want so badly for your student to get the help that they need and to respond to all of these outreaches. But it's really important for you to remember that your student has to want that too. Mm hmm. So as I was talking about the resources, because we have, I mean, so many resources on campus. Um, and so I think it's good for us to let you know about our services because maybe we can help lead the horse to water together, but it's okay if sometimes your student doesn't join and they will hopefully eventually come around. So the first, that was, remember that was a free, we'll call that a bonus nugget. Um, the first thing that I would say is to, um, to, I'll call this my frozen point, but is to really to let it go, um, to let your student go and to, to really empower them to begin to navigate the college experience. Um, and as hard as that might be, it, it is really important for you to allow them to be the person that they are as they navigate the college experience. And so kind of put yourself back when you went to college um, and did, you know, you we didn't have the connection and the technology and all of those things that students have now. And so kind of say, okay, my parents let go and I talk to them once a week on the payphone downstairs in my residence hall or from the phone with my long distance card in my room and kind of think about your student in that way and try and let that go. And, you know, it could be your student calls you and says, I'm really stressed out because my biology professor isn't being flexible. And I tried to explain that I had this going on and I don't understand the material. What do I do? And instead of swooping in and saying, oh, let me email your professor for you. Don't do that. You empower them. So you're letting go of the situation and you're empowering them by saying, hey, just email your professor and see if you can set up a time to meet with them and get more information about that. Um, another way that we see parents struggling to let go sometimes um, is in roommate conflicts. So um, in case you're wondering, roommate conflicts happen. Um, and so if your student is experiencing that, it's not unusual, um, but just let it go and trust that your child knows how to deal with a conflict. You can give them tips, but it's not an opportunity for you to come in and take care of that for them by emailing the residence hall director or emailing um, the folks in charge of housing. It's really, it's your student's responsibility to figure out how to navigate uh, through life in that way. Um, and that kind of fits with my second point, um, uh, my second nugget, is to um, trust the last 18 years of your parenting, or 20 years, or 19 years, or 21 years. You really have worked hard to create an adult, and you need to let them be an adult. And, you know, there's the whole saying about roots and wings, and um, it really is important that you trust that you have given your student 
enough roots that they know where to return to, but you have equipped them with wings that they can go into the world and fly. And so I really encourage you to trust that process and trust that you can let them go and let situations go because you have given them the skills and the capabilities to take care of situations. You know, I think about, um, decisions that they're going to have to make along the way are they going to have to they're going to have to figure out when they're going to do their laundry and when they're going to study and when they're going to go to the dining halls or how are they going to go to the grocery store and cook their meal and go to their organizational meeting and do this right just trust that you have given them those skills to be able to navigate those decisions that they have to make and i would say also as you're trusting your years of parenting um if there's a bump along the way, y'all can figure that out and navigate it together because you know what? There will be bumps along the way, but you can trust the parenting that you have provided for these students is going to work in their decision-making and in their ability to, to figure out how the processes work and to <clears throat> ask the right questions and things like that. And so, so really when the bumps come, just trust that the decisions you've made all along and the things that you have modeled for them will show up and be able to be used by your student. Um, well, Megan, Megan, may I interject in there? So I think the conversations that we're having in our office now, because we're, you know, this has been late September, so it's the tests are coming back, test results are coming back. And and students are calling, the sons and daughters are calling their parents, you know, very upset because they might not have done well on a test or they are feeling behind or whatever the issue may be. And I have I've had conversations this morning with parents who are like, okay, I'm trying to advise them, but I don't really know what to do. And it's hard for them to see their student in that bump. And, and I think your, your words of wisdom are great here because it's like, yeah, there's going to be bumps and you have to step back almost, I always like to say almost as if you're talking to a friend about a bump, you know, that they need to figure it out and handle it. But you're there to help guide them. So I, I think that's so pertinent, especially right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I, just as a side note, I will say the stress levels that we're seeing now, um, right now at this point in the semester are um, the stress levels are higher earlier, and I think a lot of that has to do with the COVID situation, but we're seeing the stress levels we're seeing now are, are what we are used to seeing in mid to late November, um, right before finals. And so wow. I don't say that to be Debbie Downer, except for to give you a realistic picture that if your student is feeling stressed, yes, <laughs> they all mm -hmm. are right now. Um, the, the next point, and you can see all of these points kind of all go together, but I talk about this frequently with students is just the idea of um, practicing grit and um, knowing what it means to have grit and to um, kind of use some resiliency skills. And so sometimes this generation is um, labeled as not being very resilient because um, the culture around us and around students is to, to have people just kind of swoop in, whether that be a high school counselor, a high school teacher, a guardian, a parent, something to just kind of swoop in and take care of it. Um, but I, the thing that I really focus on with students is um, that when hard things come your way or when bumps in the road come your way, um, to really embrace those hard things 
and to let that be a transformative moment in your life instead of trying to act like that hard thing isn't happening and to avoid it at all cost. Because if students don't deal with the hard things that are coming their way, some of those hard things will deal with them for the rest of their life, whether that be um, a relationship, a <clears throat> situation in a friendship, a roommate, um, maybe some family stuff that's going on, you know, whatever that is, if students can kind of practice grit and resiliency to push through those things, instead of expecting someone to throw the life preserver and get them out, then they will be stronger people in the end. Um, and, and some of that is real simple stuff, like making adjustments to what you're going to study, maybe making adjustments to your major, you can practice resiliency in that. Um, remembering what your purpose is and having conversations with your student about what their purpose is and having conversations around the resiliency that it takes to remember why you're at school when it's hard in biology, remembering what your purpose is. All of those things are kind of around grit and resiliency. And um, it's hard sometimes as a parent, right? You want to drive down to Waco and take care of it for them. Um, but you you can't because when they're 30 years old and something is difficult, it's in you're in Minnesota and they're in Texas, it's not going to be easy to drive down, nor is it realistic for them to expect you to drive down and take care of things. And so really instilling in your student, you can do hard things. I say that to students all the time. You can do hard things and hard things are where we become transformed into more of the person that we were created to believe to be. That's my belief anyway. Well, and I've had parents tell me, uh, like they may have come with one freshman and the next year a younger sibling comes and they've approached me on campus and said, I heard what you said that there might be bumps in the road. And my older daughter had a huge bump in the road. And my friend held me back from swooping in to try to save the day. And it was by far the best thing that was ever done for my daughter, because within that one semester, she turned it around. She said it was so hard. So maybe the parents need grit as well on how not to swoop in, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's, yeah, that's, that's accurate. I think we all that as parents. It's just like, okay. You know, and again, you can see how, how these all go together. Letting, mm -hmm. trusting your parenting, practicing grit and resiliency and what that looks like. They all kind of go together. Um, and another thing when I do present actual presentations on grit that I tell students, um, another characteristic of being gritty is um, to ask for help. You know, that is really hard for students to do sometimes um, is to just say, hey, I am struggling saying to the professor, I am really having a hard time understanding this. And most professors will understand and they'll set up a meeting and they will work with you. Or you can ask the tutoring center for help. You can ask academic support. You can come to care team services. And so letting your students know that there are resources all over this campus that can help them to be successful. Um, but they have to ask it, ask for it. Again, that's like, you can't ask the academic mentor to help your child. Your child has to, has to want that help. Um, and so asking for help is 
is another important one. I'll just use this example of my 13-year-old. I have a really spicy um, 13-year-old and she's doing online school. And I came home one day and I said, well, how was your day? And she said, well, I was having a hard time with my iPad. And so I just picked up the phone and called the technology line at my school and left a message and told them, uh, I've called five times and haven't been able to get in touch with anyone. If you could please call me back when you get a chance, that would be great. And I was like, you did that? I didn't tell her to do any of that. That has a lot to do with her. But I told her, I said, you know, there are some college students that I wish I could get to have that, like, I'm just going to call and ask for help, or I'm just going to send an email and ask for help. And so I think <clears throat> sometimes when we're grownups, you know, or not in college, we think, well, of course they know how to ask for help. But sometimes it's a good reminder to say to your student, have you asked your professor about that? Have you reached out? to the counseling center? Have you reached out to care team services? They can help you ask for help in whatever way is, is necessary. So um, <clears throat> the last thing, the last nugget that I will say or give you is just to remember or to know that mental health in college students is very real. Mental health struggles, mental health concerns. Statistics show that um, Young adults from the ages of 18 and 23 who have had no prior struggles with mental health begin to experience anxiety, depression, um, suicide ideation, all of those different kinds of really intense mental health concerns. And that has nothing to do with the fact other than life is really stressful sometimes. And that manifests itself through mental health um, issues and concerns. And I tell students, I mean, I tell parents and students all the time, do not be embarrassed by the fact that you're struggling with anxiety. Do not be embarrassed by the fact that you can't get out of bed. Let's get you connected to the resources and we will get you taken care of. But really recognizing and acknowledging that mental health is very real is, is really, really helpful. Um, and it might not be relevant for everybody, but I think in the age of COVID and the, the underlying anxiety that COVID is creating for students everywhere, um, it, the mental health struggles and stress and uncertainty and worry. And, you know, I mean, I could go on and on, um, but <clears throat> it's okay to acknowledge that you are having a hard time. It's okay for your student to say, I'm feeling anxious about this. And um, I told, I taught a class the other day and I said, you know, when, when documents come out and they have that watermark behind them, the watermark that says draft, you know, in light, big, bold colors over the, you know, underneath all of the bold um, print. I said, that's how I feel like our lives are with COVID right now. COVID is the underlying, you know, there's the light COVID-19 at the behind everything. And, um, and, and that really does inform everything. And I think it makes things extra stressful and extra difficult. And so recognizing and acknowledging that they might need to get help because of that. And so um, I'm sure that you guys are aware of the counseling, um, Baylor University Counseling Center. It is an incredible resource that our institution has, and it's free uh, for students who are 
um, needing help and needing connection to um, mental health services. And if they can't help you long, help your student long term, um, then they'll get you connected to someone in the community. And the health center also um, has a full-time psychiatrist and a full-time psychiatric nurse practitioner who help with mental health with students, and then also the doctors at the health center help with students who are dealing with mental health concerns. And I know that some of the things that I've talked about aren't real fun, um, but I do want you to know this is the, the parts of Baylor that I see and that I get to work with is students who are dealing with these things. Um, and as we get to walk through these things with students, you get to, to get connect them to the resources and then they graduate and you get to be see their success stories. And so we love to get to do that with students. And so um, just a reminder, let it go and recognizing that you can empower your student, trusting the 18 year, 18 plus years of parenting that you've done, um, em embracing grit and resiliency, either for yourself or your student, um, encouraging your student to ask for help and know that there are resources. And if they don't know where to go, Gail and myself are happy to help you to know how to navigate where to ask for that help. And then just remembering that mental health on college campuses is a real thing. And Baylor has so many resources um, available to students to help with those struggles. So Gail, I don't know if you have any other questions for me or if you would like me to touch on anything else, but that's kind of my care team services nuggets of the day. <laughs> well, again, Megan, it's a fabulous program that Baylor offers. And I will add, I don't know any other school. I'm sure there are some that offer this type of services to this depth level that run all across the country. So it's very encouraging as an employee, a, a parent of Baylor graduates, but as an employee to see that there are these people that are, you know, raise up but here's something to look at. And then people say, well, yeah, I've been working with them or I'll check on them or whatever. It's really neat to see. And I want to go back and just touch on one last thing. Share, if you can think of one, a uh, couple successes, because that's the really fun part when, when we're in our meeting and, and somebody will say, yeah, they're going to graduate or, you know, they worked it out. So I know that there's plenty of success stories. Is there anything that comes to mind? Yeah, yeah, actually. So when I first started several a few years ago, um, the person who was here before me said, hey, I've got this student that I worked with. And in the spring, he had a mental break and he just kind of left Waco and left Baylor and nobody knew where he was. And so we were pretty concerned about him. Um, but he's coming back to school this fall. I don't know what that's going to look like. And I was like, oh, dear. <laughs> you know, so I kind of didn't know what I was what I, what I was getting into with um, working with this student. And so I actually met with him every week. Um, so we're not therapists. And I made it real clear that I wasn't a therapist. But literally, he had a therapist. I got him connected with a therapist. I got him connected with someone in academic support. And he had one semester to go, the fall semester. And so I met with him every week. And all we did was, hey, how are things going? Are you go showing up to your classes? Because he struggled with very, very intense depression. And so I just said, are you going to your classes? Yes, I'm going to my classes. And if you would miss class for a week, he would say, I missed class, but this is why. And then he graduated. He was a computer science major. He got a job in San Antonio. We walked through the whole job uh, 
job interview process. He had several interviews. And so it was someone who I came in to the semester thinking, oh dear, this isn't going to go well. And then he showed up and we got him connected to resources on campus and he was successful and graduated. And it was, I can still, I still remember his name. I can remember his face because I just thought you did it. You did it. Even in the midst of all that you're dealing with, you graduated and got a job um, and are going to be a successful adult, you know? So uh, we do have several situations like that where it's like we think, oh dear, we're not going to make it, and then they graduate, you know. So it's a great, it's, great gift to get to see students in this way. It really is, and it's it's great on our end because we typically hear back from the parents who can call back and say, you know what, uh, we didn't know what to do, and we just called you guys and you connected us to the right people, and now my son or daughter has just flourished. And so I guess I say that in closing remarks. Uh, Megan, thank you so much for everything you're doing and for all the people that are helping us all uh, help students through some of these challenges. Go ahead. Do you have something to say? Our contact information. So we have a website that's just care team services. You can search it on the on the Baylor page, but then you can just send an email to myself. I'm sure my name will be somewhere, but then or just care team at Baylor.edu. You can send an email and I'll get that if your student is struggling or you can reach out to Gail and myself, of course. But if you want to see more about um, what we do, you can look on Care Team Services on the website. Sorry. I would recommend that now because uh, as many parents will say to me, I never thought I'd have to call you, but here I am. So it's kind of nice to know what exists if in case you ever need something down the road. And again, realize that the team members here are in place to help your student, help you talk to your son or daughter about the things that they need to go do. So it's, it's stuff we hear, we just need to know that it's really here to exist and to help. So thank you very much again, Megan. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Baylor Parents Podcast. This production was written and produced by the entire Baylor Parent Engagement Team. Remember, if you need guidance, email us at baylorparents at baylor.edu. That's B-A-Y-L-O-R-P-A-R-E-N-T-S at baylor.edu. Join us next time for another topic tailored just for you to help your child succeed. If you liked this episode, you can find all our podcasts and videos at baylorparents.campusesp.com.